Anila Ednani is remarkable. She has faced so many life situations and challenges, and she's built a company along the way. She is a mental health advocate, an author, and TED speaker, raising awareness across the world. She is the founder of Habit Aware, and I'm not going to steal the thunder, but you're going to want to listen to her episode. She is remarkable. Anila, for joining us today. I am super excited to share your story and your products. I think they um, can enhance lives and make a vast difference, a crazy impact on um, people throughout the world. And I feel like there are more people out there with um, these struggles that you can help than what we realize. And probably as you may, they may not even realize it, as well as um, maybe they don't want to um, like address it or face it or acknowledge it. That's the better word. Yeah. So I'm super excited um, to have you on the show. And I find what you're doing fascinating and amazing. And I can't wait to hear your story. So thank you so much for joining us. Brooke, thank you for having me. Um, you know, as we alluded to, the work that I do is around issues that most people don't want to talk about. So I really, really appreciate the opportunity to change that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's dive in. So you are the founder of Habit Aware is the name of the company, correct? Yep. That's right. I have uh, yes. myself and three other okay, co-founders. Cool. Awesome. Oh, I can't wait to dive into that. Okay. And how did you come about starting Habit Aware? Yeah, so I will make a very long story as short as possible. Um, so I actually have a mental health condition <laughs> called trichotillomania. We've got time. <laughs> Diving right into the big stuff. Um, okay. <laughs> I have a mental health condition called trichotillomania. And that is essentially the compulsion to pull out hair. My hair pulling started in my early tweens okay. around the time of puberty and around the time that my father fell sick with cancer. And so these behaviors are uh, a coping mechanism, a soothing mechanism. So think of hair pulling, skin picking, nail biting, and a variety of other behaviors that are classified as body-focused repetitive behaviors. So I started in my tweens, and I hid it okay. for more than 25 years because of the shame and this feeling of being alone and weird for pulling out my hair. I didn't know what it was. And then a couple of years ago, my husband caught me without eyebrows after a really bad late night pulling session and asked me, where, where are my eyebrows? Where, where, what happened? And that was the moment where I finally shared my trichotillomania secret. So I was never officially diagnosed because again, people don't seek okay. treatment for these things. They don't know. Right. So I did find out what it was by doing yeah. the, in online search in my twenties, I Googled why am I, or maybe it wasn't Google at the time, but I searched for why am I pulling out my hair? And that's how I found out it was a mental health condition. So that was in the early two thousands when, you know, we, we didn't have the discussions around mental health that we're having today. So mental health back then was still straight jackets and wait in line in your pajamas for your pill. Right. And so, and that's how the media portrayed right. it. Right. And so I didn't, that actually sent me on a deeper level of depression because it was a thing now, right? It was, it went from me being alone and weird to me having now a mental health condition, which in that environment wasn't allowed, right? 
uh, or wasn't taught and wasn't talked about. So I knew what it was, but I didn't get an official diagnosis because I didn't, you know, fear of saying those words out loud, not really knowing who to go to for that. Because again, we didn't have support systems in place for um, easy access to, to therapy and psychologists at that time. And I think we're, we're still working on that, to be honest. Um, so, right. you know, my husband found out about the condition, he did some research and I shared with him, like, I just don't realize when I'm doing it. Like it's a very subconscious behavior. It's a soothing mechanism. And then one day we're sitting on the couch and I'm pulling while we're watching TV and he gently grabbed my hand. And that was sort of our aha moment of, oh, if I just had something that notified me and I literally wrapped my fingers around my hand like a bracelet, then maybe I could start building awareness and using that awareness to take control and shift healthier strategies. And so it didn't exist. So he and I and our two technical co-founders built it. And so that's the bracelet that I'm wearing right now. Um, This is the second version that allows you to train the device for your specific behavior, whether it's hair pulling, skin picking, or nail biting. And it's when it senses a match, it sends a vibration that is meant to be your cue. And it allows you to shift the behavior from the subconscious to the conscious that now you can affect change in your life. Yeah, that's amazing. So this is on the market right now, right? Yep. Yeah. You can go to habitaware.com and you can see all the resources that we have for people with these conditions that have really been largely underserved by the, you know, health community because of that lack of awareness and understanding. Um, So we're coming at it from lived experience as well as working with uh, treatment professionals and clinicians and researchers through our NIH and NSF grants. Uh, That's National Institute of Mental Health and National Science Foundation. So we do have experts um, working with us to develop this out to help people. If somebody had this condition and they went to the doctor, what would the remedy be <clears throat> as of now? And it, like, What does the doctor do for you? Yeah, it varies. Um, so, you know, a primary care physician would be a first line of defense. And it really varies because of that lack of education on the medical professional side. Um, some will know about these conditions and will be able to say, okay, it's a mental health condition. Here's a referral for a psychologist or a therapist or a treatment professional. Some actually know about HabitAware and we'll, we'll give them our brochure. And some will give misinformation. So that's part of the work that we do is trying to build awareness of these issues so that people in a position, whether it's a medical professional or even a hairstylist who might be in contact with someone who has hair pulling or a dermatologist with skin picking, a nail technician for nail biting, right? That the people who are seeing these issues have an adequate understanding to help that person get to the right place and the right resources. Right. Right. I can only imagine some people with this condition, doctors prescribing pills for whatever reason, which ultimately doesn't fix the behavior. And I, I would assume, and this could be a bad assumption, but it feels like this is caused from trauma or something from childhood that has caused, and have you done the research on what causes it, I'm sure, of like why people choose this route? Yep. So it is an automatic, I like how you had you put know? it, it's an automatic mechanism. Um, you know, going back to your point about prescribing something, there is nothing as of now on the market specifically for body focused repetitive behaviors. So, um, mm-hmm. again, just anyone listening who does have these conditions, please be sure to advocate for yourself and get educated as well when you are speaking with a treatment professional. Um, mm-hmm. in terms of how it starts, it, the, the research, now we have not done specific research on it, but there is research out there. And so there is, considered to be a genetic component, you know, think of we, everyone has a grooming gene, if you will. Uh And so you can even see Mm -hmm. excessive grooming in 
um, the animal kingdom. Certain birds will pluck their feathers or you'll see monkeys, you know, rifling through their hair and picking at their hair. And so there is that genetic component. Then there's the hormonal component um, where I mentioned mine started around puberty. And, you know, for 20 plus years, I had to be able to manage it enough that I was totally still pulling, but no one knew until that day that my husband, that it was really, I had pulled out so many hairs, like the whole eyebrow was gone. I had never done that before. And the reason I think was because I was pregnant at the time. So I was going again through hormonal changes Ah. and I was also very stressed. So, um, with work stuff happening at the time. So I think it's a combination of those things. I don't, I haven't seen anything specific to trauma, um, though, you know, I think trauma impacts our minds and how we feel and how we think in a variety of ways and is definitely something that if someone has experienced trauma in their life, a mental health treatment professional is who can help them unravel that, right? Um, so I definitely highly recommend yeah. seeking out yeah, treatment sure. and and conversation and communication around those things. But for from what we've seen, the genetic component, the hormonal component, and the behavioral component of people getting off their baseline, right? We talked about stress. We talked about anxiety. There's other forms of discomfort that we are trying to deal with and push down. Uh, and the mind, the subconscious, right, right. just automatically goes to these behaviors to self-soothe. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. We're going to go back a moment and talk about founders because a lot of people I've interviewed are either solo founders or they're co-founders with one other individual. So um, talk to me about co-founding. First of all, obviously you know your husband, but the other two founders, um, did you know them prior to starting this company? Did you seek them out? And what is your take on being a non-technical founder? When my husband and I had the idea for a smart bracelet, you know, he comes from a finance and engineering background, and I come from an accounting and an advertising background. We have knowledge of technology, but, you know, could not build it ourselves. And so we did seek out um, help from uh, the Minneapolis startup community when we moved here 11 years ago. That's sort of how we decided just to get to know people. And I was interested in digital advertising. So I was going to a lot of meetups and meeting people in that space. And I just started sharing my secret, my disorder, my condition, as well as my startup idea um, and asking around if anyone that I knew in the community knew anyone that had hardware experience or, you know, uh, software development experience around this. And that's how we found and met um, John Pritchard, our lead hardware engineer, and Kirk Cloby, our um, chief technology officer. So on the hardware and software side, and you know, you mentioned, did they just fall in your lap? So it's a little bit of both, right? Like we did seek out um, trying to find people, and also I like to to say leveraging serendipity as a strategy in a sense of like we put ourselves out there and <laughs> serendipitously we found the right people <laughs> um just you know john yeah, just awesome. happened to be at a hackathon that we were at and came and stopped at our table and said hey what are you doing can i help you know and that was one of the first times that we had all met and worked together and kirk also lives in Minneapolis, but we found him on Twitter because he was tweeting about something. And I sent it to Samir, my husband and said, Hey, uh, maybe this person might have the knowledge and understanding based on what he was tweeting. And so they met for coffee and he was on board to join for that hackathon. So that's how we got started. And then we just started working nights and weekends, still doing our day jobs and, you know, slowly but surely the doors open to make this thing a reality for uh-huh. people because I trust that the universe wanted it in the world and the, want, the universe wanted us to be the ones to bring it out there. Um, you know, as we were going through the process of developing it, we realized it wasn't a, an, a totally unique idea that there was a treatment professional researcher working on something similar, but they had passed away. And so the project 
you know, stopped with him. And to me, that meant, okay, researchers are interested in this, understand the value of awareness. Um, and we just kind of picked up the baton and kept going and timing was right where technology, you know, you could get all of the electrical components now into a bracelet instead of this big thing that he was building. And that's sort of, um, how we met our co-founders and how we, we kind of kept going because the doors kept opening for us. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that. You manifested these co-founders and they uh, serendipitously appeared. I love that you found the one on Twitter too. Like that's great. You were working full time and you were doing this part time and from the product standpoint, how long did it take you to get to an MVP? And then what did you do? Like, what was your strategy or steps once you got that MVP? Yeah. So right out the gate, you know, it took at least about a year um, to get to a proper MVP. In 2015, we really started in earnest. And in 2016, we were or toward the tail end of 2015, we were about to ship our first uh, pre-order units. So we had gone to a conference, people were super excited about what they had seen. And, you know, it was like 3D printed boxes and nothing as sleek as what we eventually came out with. But that gave us the confidence to keep going. And then we got into, in 2016, we got into a hardware accelerator program called Hacks. And that was kind of the moment for us where we quit our day jobs and we went to China for three months. We had a three-year-old, my husband and I had a three-year, took a three-year-old with us, found an English speaking daycare. And we just kind of worked over the 90 days every month, trying to improve our marketing, improve our hardware, our software to the point where we then, um, kind of did a, a full-on pre-order campaign at the end of that, like a demo day and uh, a campaign to the community. And that was in May, 2016. And then we finally started shipping in March of 2017. So I consider March to be that shipping to be our anniversary. So now we've been in business six years, um, basically to this week of helping people with these conditions with this smart bracelet. That's so awesome. I love it. Oh my gosh. What a great, what a unique experience. I, I can't say it's great because those have to be your words, but to like, mm -hmm. that takes some guts for both of you to quit your jobs and to go to China with a three year old. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I think too, that speaks to your truth of, like your passion about um, your product and uh, your company. I know a lot of like when you're going for funding, a lot of investors want to see passion and I talk about dedication and passion. That's amazing. Um, that's awesome. So then there's gotta be like, you know, you said you're working, you were working nights and days and carrying, um, a full-time job at the same time. And then you made the decision once that accelerator happened and you got in, that was your moment of, um, okay, it's time to give this up and move forward. But I can only imagine that there are many hours and many, like doing a startup is stressful and exhausting. And so having two in the household, uh, and a baby, I, I can't even imagine. So talk to me about how you manage that and from a mental health standpoint, from a health standpoint, from an endurance standpoint, like how has it evened out and like, what does that look like? Yeah. So the beauty of our co-founder relationship is really, we all have very specific skill sets and expertises. So John is hardware he knows it all, right? He's, and whatever he doesn't know, he brings in the right teammates to, to support him on. Kirk is, uh, software and, um, firmware, which is like the brains of the hardware device. Uh, Samir is more finance and big picture thinking and growth and the vision 
in that way. And then myself pulling from my advertising background is focused on the community and marketing and communications and um, anything that's very, you know, customer touch point related. And so by allowing ourselves to trust each other as well as then talk when we need to, you know, I mean, we're always in constant communication, but to, for the big things of like making decisions, we're all involved in any of those hard moments. And that allows us to kind of keep that balance and not get too stressed. I mean, trust me, it's stressful, like, yes, running a business, but to be able to lean on each other. Um, and, you know, I think for both me and Samir, we saw both of our parents run their own businesses. My mom is was a dentist. She's now retired. And my dad not only had his own business, but would help run the office. And the same with Samir's mom is a doctor and his dad would help with her clinic as well as have his own day job as an engineer. So mm -hmm. it's something that we both grew up seeing, like, you know, as husband and wife, you work together. And I think that right. made it a natural fit for us to do this, that there's not many times aside from like, maybe we talk about a little bit too much, <laughs> but also learning that and recognizing that and making sure we do our date nights to keep our, our relationship strong and all of that stuff. Um, but you know, it's been manageable. Mental health is definitely a thing. I think the, the period of COVID really showed and proved that mental health is more than just getting to that deepest level of depression and then you need help. It's you need help along the way. So you don't get to that point. And there were some hard moments. There have been some hard moments. I've gone through a lot of personal things and, you know, ups and downs with my mental health. Um, I had breast cancer last year and like just, you know, life is nonstop, but I believe that, and I trust that, you know, the four of us were put together for a reason to build this, to support this community. And Samir and I especially were put together for this, for this, um, you know, it, it's again, that serendipity as a strategy. I didn't know that at the time my dad's sickness was going to lead to me meeting my husband. Um, when I, when he was sick, we met with another family that was introduced to us who was a uh, who was a doctor on his care team and they had a daughter that was my age and we started hanging out. She, she became one of my best friends. And then she's the one that 10, 15 years later connected me to now to Samir and we started dating and now he's my husband and now he's my co-founder. And, you know, just that, that as you use the word manifesting earlier, I, that is pretty much what I prayed that I would meet someone that would be partners in love, marriage, business, parenting, friendship. And the more that I pray, continue to pray that, um, and affirm that the stronger our relationship gets. That's awesome. That is fantastic. <clears throat> I don't know too many people. There are a lot of marriages. I don't think that, um, I think they working together may not be the best option for them, <laughs> especially a startup. So I admire you for that. That's amazing. <laughs> so you mentioned uh, breast cancer. So I'm going to first ask you <laughs> what have been your, some of your biggest obstacles that you've overcome during this uh, startup uh, venture and how did you overcome them or how did you turn them into positives and not obstacles? You know, I look at obstacles as just taking yeah. a different route, but, um, yeah. What, what have been some of yours? Obviously health sounds like maybe it yep. may have been. An yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, one of the biggest things is manufacturing. Um, it's, you know, it's hard to build, uh, a hardware product. We, we are a small company. We don't have like a, a budget the way a Fitbit or an Apple can, you know, has. And so being smart about manufacturing, finding the right partners there, um, which takes time. It takes effort. It takes a lot of experimentation. So we've definitely had hardships and hassles around, 
um, manufacturing processes. Um, another, another, you know, concern as an entrepreneur is competition, which I'm sure everyone has to deal with. And, you know, they say competition's good because it proves that there's a market and there's a need. Um, and during COVID, you know, we had a few competitors come into the market because of face touching and the media, like just, you know, it was like bees with honey or flies to the fly trap because it was a story face touching COVID using a device like this to build awareness of face touching to prevent COVID, which is a very big leap, um, to make, but, you know, competitors came out with that, that promise. And then I think they realized, well, we're not selling this to people face touching they found what we're doing and they kind of copycatted our language and stuff like that and and came into our our world of supporting the bfrb community the body focused repetitive behavior community and i kind of stuck to my guns and said i'm not going that route of face touching because i don't believe it i don't believe that that makes sense in this covid environment to kind of take advantage of people in that way um, and so instead we doubled down on our community and we did, we recognized that people in lockdown, you know, can't leave their houses, can't connect with people directly stuck on zoom for work, got their kids in the background trying to do class. Well, what can we do for them? And so we did a lot of webinars that in during that time, a lot of support group type stuff virtually so that we could support the community going through such a drastic mental health shift for themselves rather than putting effort into right. a fake marketing game. So when you get competition, the lesson there is right. to stick to your integrity, stick to your guns. Like you said before, an obstacle is um, something to figure out how to move around. And so what can you learn from the comp competition? Like, and what can you do and improve so that, um, you know, you stay true to what your mission and values are as a company and as a leader. And, you know, those companies no longer exist. And, and, you know, yeah, I did, did casually bring up breast cancer. Um, <laughs> in the States or do you manufacture other places? Yeah. So for manufacturing, um, through our relationship with hacks and our time in China, that's how we found, our manufacturing partners, um, and our, our component suppliers, um, you know, going back to the point about manufacturing again, COVID was a big hit, like was a big issue as well because of, uh, long lead times to get components. So we were out of stock for a while on inventory. It was just, we had increased sales so much during that time because people were increasing these behaviors because there was so much extra soothing that people needed. Um, so, you know, right. uh, I can imagine. that was another issue and yeah. And continues to be from a manufacturing perspective of getting access to components and pricing and supply and supply chain issues. Yeah. And then you have to deal with the tariffs, I'm assuming. I keep hearing companies mm -hmm. dealing with tariffs of products coming over, et cetera. Um, do you have a chip in your bracelet? Because that was yeah. pretty drastic yep. uh, challenge for everyone. Yep. Yeah. A variety of components, different chips, different sensors, and the tariffs kind of kept changing. Um, Yep. So there's always those things that you have to kind of keep, keep your eye on, um, and make sure that you're making, you right. know, plans like we're planning for inventory for much farther in the future than we're actually selling. Right. So we have to make those purchase orders in advance and lock in pricing and all that stuff. And it's, 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 that's tricky. A, a good so problem to have. <laughs> Right, right, right. Yeah. So I think that's tricky. It's kind of like gambling a bit. So you're pre-ordering devices that haven't been sold just so you can mitigate the issues of being out of stock and the delay of um, shipping. Yeah. It, yeah. And it's, it's really about managing inventory, right? So, you know, we have purchase orders of certain number of units and then we're watching how those sell and then we need to, you know, hit the button on the next purchase order 
you know, have every, all those ducks in a row so that we're ready to go um, so that we don't have those gaps as a, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a business person, you don't want to have yeah. gaps in your ability to, to um, support people. Deliver. Yeah. That's got to be challenging. Very challenging. So what's next for you? So next for us, we are currently working on an phase two NIH research grant with a researcher out of Kent State University. And the goal there is to really try to build out a system of care that includes the bracelet that builds awareness and an app that helps you kind of uh, track the behavior and leverage that data to make good choices to to shift to healthier soothing mechanisms. So really answering, you know, the first version of our product was all about awareness. And this is meant to close the loop of giving you a, that awareness and helping you really practice that ability to take control. And then, of course, also through the, you know, work that we did during COVID of supporting the community with webinars, we realized there's a huge need for that virtual support. So we've developed an online community, a private platform where people can go support each other, as well as have myself and two other teammates of mine who both have um, hair pulling and skin picking respectively and have used our bracelet to um, build awareness and take control so that we actually guide you through a process of weekly challenges of a weekly call and accountability check-in, if you will. And, um, that support system that allows you to really hone in on your own, on leveraging our behavior change methodology to take control of these conditions. So those are kind of the things that we have in the works and are trying to build out so that we can continue to support the BFRB community and really show, prove to them, show them that, you know, recovery is possible. It just takes time and effort and support, which is what we're here to provide. Where can individuals go to be part of that community? Yeah, so you can visit habitaware.com slash community, and that will take you right to our online platform where you can, you know, read all about how we operate and the benefits that you'll receive and join. Like how big are you guys? Cause this seems like a big feat that you're growing and then you have, um, the bracelet and it's continuing to grow. Like how big is your team? Yeah. So our team is our four co-founders and then we have, counting in my head we have four other folks um three one one customer service person who kind of handles support tickets from the tech side and um two like i mentioned before two other communications marketing social media folks um and then john our hardware engineer also has a, yeah. a few people helping him on the hardware side um like i have a client who manufactures touchscreens um, and they manufacture everything in China. So like the company has like 25 employees. You can keep your employee overhead size smaller if you manufacture like, um, in China or in other countries. So I think that's great. I mean, it, I was just, um, asking to try to understand like the growth and hiring and, you know what I mean? Did you continue to find, um, people serendipitously or how, how has that growth been? Yeah. Um, so we are, yeah, we're finding people as we, you know, as we need support, we put out the feelers to find the right folks. Um, and a, a lot of times it's coming from the community where people are reaching out to us and sending us their resumes and saying, I'm ready to, you know, they, they've had this issue for so long and they want to, they see that we're helping people. They've, they've been helped by us. Um, and they want to be part of that as well. And so we get people coming to us. And so we try to figure out as often as we can, how might we be able to work with them? Um, so we're actually working with a college student right now to create, um, some materials for kids 
on these behaviors. Um, so she's studying psychology. So essentially she's working with my teammate, um, who's a graphic designer and we're working on creating resources for kids and teens to help them understand these conditions better. So, you know, it's project-based, but it still allows us to, to support the community. And it allows us to work with people who have used our bracelet, who understand our values, who, you know, see our vision and our mission and align and are aligned with us. What's your favorite part about being a founder? The f- my favorite part of being a founder is while it, it is a wild ride, I am in the driver's seat that I have the flexibility. I now have two children I have the flexibility to, um, Oh, you've had another girl. You, know, you just keep going. Yeah. going. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, like you yep, keep dropping yeah. these like bombs. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Two babies. I have breast cancer. Two, all yeah. There's no I just have had another baby too. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I, um, That's awesome. I have two kiddos. Going, I'm sorry. They're not, yeah, they're not babies anymore. Two kiddos, but um, you know that the 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 best thing about being a founder is this idea of like, yeah, it's going to be hard, but it's super rewarding when what you're working on matters to you. And helping people with body focused repetitive behaviors matters to me because I was that kid who hated myself and who thought I was alone and weird. And at one point was at the deepest levels of despair where I almost, you know, took my own life because of it. And there's another bomb I just dropped. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) But, um, and I can laugh now because I have processed it. Um, And I recognize now that it was all of the pain that I've been through was to get me to this moment of being able to sit here and tell my story and to create something that helps people so that there isn't another little kid that thinks like the way that I thought that they have the power within themselves and the power of awareness to take control and to make this thing smaller in their life. And so being a founder to me, it's a wild ride, but it allows me to fulfill my purpose and it allows me to do so in a flexible way. Like I said, being the drive in the driver's seat of that wild ride where I can put the brakes on when I need to, to pause and grab my kids from school and take them to, you know, whatever it is they want to go do, knowing that if I do that, I'll have to work all night long to catch up or whatever it is, but that I have that flexibility. And they get to see my husband and I work together, do something that fulfills us and hopefully inspires them and inspires others to do the same as they go, as they wake up every day and have a choice in what they do. And so those are the reasons why I'm a founder. I've always known as a child that I wanted to be in business and I wanted to start my own company. Like I used to play office and my friend and I used to pretend that we owned hotels and cruise ships and restaurants. So it was always in me, that entrepreneurial spirit. I think your story is extremely inspiring. And I can only imagine that you, you have the opportunity to use this business too, and these bracelets as a platform to reach kids out there that may be going through difficult times such as what you went through and to give them hope of uh there's not only do we have a bracelet that can help you but i have been able to overcome all of these challenges and difficulties and things that life has thrown to me and i have founded a company like you are a true inspiration. It's just, you keep dropping the bombs and I'm like, whoa, this is amazing. Like there has to be 
Like what keeps you going? Like what, what, cause I'm, I mean, and what would you tell that young kid that may have been in those shoes? What, if you were to tell someone right now in those shoes, what would you tell them? Yeah. To keep going. Right. What keeps me going is knowing that we're helping people that are ready to be helped and ready to do the work of being of, of this, right. Keep going. Um, yeah. you know, it, it, it's, it's a little, a little trite, but to be able to say it does, it does get better. Right. That I think when we're young, there's so much of societal society's expectations of us on our heads and our hearts and it makes it hard to really connect with who we are and what's important to us. Uh, and that causes tension in our mind. Um, that's sort of what I, what I, what I felt, you know, and, and that the older we get, I think the less that stuff matters because we become more secure in who we are. And so just keep going to get to that point and recognizing who, who you are like you are not a hair puller you are not a nail biter you are not a skin picker you are creative you are independent you are you know have skills that someone else doesn't have you're more than whatever this condition is you're more than whatever challenge is like i never you know like you're I'm, I'm, and when you can start seeing yourself in that way things do get better because you start engaging in life as that person right whereas if you're if you're engaging in life as i am a hair puller that's the life you're gonna lead but if you say i am a student of xyz topic that's the life you will lead that's the 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 decisions you'll make will be around that identity and so for kids today listening for parents listening like help your child um, and help yourself start thinking about who who are you and and what makes you you and focusing on those things and focusing on these wanted healthy soothing mechanisms versus the condition itself. So quick question are being that you hit it for so long, are there any things that you can tell like maybe parents don't because you hit it maybe parents don't mm -hmm. recognize that their children are doing this are there any anything that they should look for or it, could it have been detected yeah 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 um you know how do you how do you kind of spot these behaviors in your children right and i think it's the visual the, yeah. the there you go you know, there you go first and foremost yeah. is the visual mm -hmm. are you yep. seeing are you seeing bald spots are you seeing chewed up nails are you seeing um you know your kid playing with their lips lip picking is another one of these behaviors are you seeing um hair missing or or skin you know uh skin cuts and stuff like that or excessive blood um uh, and so if you are, then start researching these conditions. Don't call them out. Don't make them feel, you know, guilty or wrong. First research and get an understanding so that you can then approach them with love and compassion. Um, and yeah, I mean, some kids might be scared because they don't know what it is. And I think when I was growing up, we didn't, we, we didn't even have the word anxiety in our language. Right. I mean, we did, but we didn't, um, we didn't talk about that kind of stuff. And so now at least these, these behaviors are a little bit more out there in media, in pop culture. You'll see sometimes in books or in movies characters might pull out their hair and so there's like a, a little bit of a platform to talk to it talk about it from um so people are building more awareness and i think when you do see your child engaging in something there is the internet now where you can google it and see what what's going on and find support and find information which we didn't have before right we had to go to a library and Right. Lexus Nexus was the search engine, right? Like it was just impossible to find any proper information. <laughs> and so encyclopedias. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, right. And so, you know, I think first and foremost, parents just 
just keep an eye. I mean, you know, you're doing, you're doing your job is to just watch and help that child grow up to be the best that they can be at whatever it is they want to be good at and to just love them and support them. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to switch gears here. So if you were to tell a founder, if you were to give advice to a founder, have, what would you, what advice would you give? Yeah. Uh, advice to a founder, I would say 150 plus percent, make sure that the idea that you have is something that you truly care about and not just the idea, but the people that you plan to serve are people that you truly care about because it's going to be really hard there's going to be so many ups and downs. It is a toll on your own mental health and you want to make sure that it's absolutely worth your time and effort and all of the blood, sweat, tears that you're going to put into it. And the best way to do that is to ensure that the people you are serving matters to you. Um, what are some strategies? Yeah. What, like, what do you do uh, to maintain your mental health as a founder? Yeah, I've, I've gone through a lot of different strategies. So I used to pull out my hair to maintain my mental health <laughs> joke. Um, but learning to take control right. of that, learning to, learning to, to understand what I truly needed. Um, so I needed sleep. I was over, I was overworking myself a lot, especially during my advertising and, and accounting days. Uh, I wouldn't sleep. I drank a lot. Like I had a lot of not great ways of dealing with my mental health. Um, and so now in my forties, I go to bed at like 10 30, 11 o'clock. It used to be one, two in the morning, forcing myself to stay up and pulling out my hair while I did whatever work it was that needed to get done. Um, I exercise more. So I have more of a routine of doing walks and going to the gym and, um, and you know, like the breast cancer bomb that I dropped earlier, the moment I got diagnosed, it wasn't a fight for me. It was, what do you want? I invited it in for tea and I said, what are you trying to tell me I need to do with my life? And I took it as a sign that I needed to still work on these lifestyle changes. And so, um, eating a little bit healthier, sometimes that doesn't work so well, but, you know, trying to eat more greens and stuff like that, drinking way more water than I ever did. Like I don't drink much else besides water and one cup of coffee a day and a little bit of alcohol on the weekends, like socially. Um, so those, you know, it's, it's, it's what, what are you feeding your mind? So I stopped watching anxiety ridding television. I stopped, I had to stop watching the news because that really got to me, uh, especially during COVID. Um, and it's, what are you feeding your body? So water, vegetables, fruits, less meat, um, moving movement is medicine. I learned that through my physical therapist, through, through, the breast cancer process, um, and getting on a schedule of exercising and, you know, taking time for me, taking time for the things that I love to do and playing with my kids and just this idea of not letting things get to me and ruminate on them because of the anxiety that I have and trying to just quiet my mind or things that I'm working on now. And I have a therapist as well. So it's all the things you can't just do one. It's all the things. I love the feed your mind and feed your body. And I think that's a good reminder, right? Um, okay. So we want to help you succeed. How can we help you succeed? And where can where do you want everyone to run out and buy one of these at? I appreciate the offer to help us succeed. Really, we need help raising awareness of these conditions. So share this podcast, share our website, habitaware.com. Um, you can share my TEDx talk, which is available on YouTube. 
where I share the story of my own journey of turning my pain into purpose. Um, you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, all at Habit Aware. Follow us, share us, comment, reach out to us. We love getting to know people who, you know, have these conditions or just need support. That's, you know, that makes our day to be able to talk with people one-on-one, which in this world of business is very rare. Um, and, you know, we are more of a company community than a company, in my opinion. So all of those ways help us raise awareness of these conditions so that, you know, someone you love is suffering in silence and they don't have to be. And by you sharing us, they might find us and we can help them. And thank you. Love it. Awesome. I'm happy to share. I will share, share, share. And (laughs) yes, and we will include all of the links um, below. So you can find them on Habit Aware. We'll include the website and um, the community. So you can access that as well as their socials. Uh, I am so grateful that you took some time to chat with us today and to share your story. I know that you only shared bits of your story. So I can't wait to dive in to listen to that because it sounds like you've had a very interesting life and uh, you continue to learn and you continue to thrive. And I think that's amazing. Um, and love what you're doing with your company. Look forward to seeing all of your success. And I can't thank you enough for taking time to talk to me today. Brooke, I really appreciate your time today. I know I dropped a lot of bombs. I'm still processing a lot of what's happened in my life. (laughs) Um, And it's it's just, it's interesting how things just kind of come out during these interviews. So I apologize. You know, a lot of things I mentioned are not to be taken lightly, but I have gotten to a place of peace with them. So I, I can take them a little bit lighter for myself. Right. And so if anyone is struggling with anything I mentioned, I'm here to chat, find a treatment professional. There's many ways to get through those obstacles. Um, And I really, really appreciate your time to allow me to share my story and to help raise awareness of these conditions. Yeah. Love it. Love it. All right. Well, thank you so much. And, um, we will, uh, we'll probably have you back here in like a year to see all the success and amazingness that you've achieved. But, um, for now we will continue sharing and raising awareness and we hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too.